You are listening to You Were Made For This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Well, hey, thank you, Carol. Thank you very much. And hello, everyone. I'm so glad you've joined us today for episode 144, Initiate with People to Enrich Our Life, Part 2. In last week's episode, number 143, I wanted to demonstrate the relational New Year's resolution I suggested in episode 141, namely, Initiate with People. So I contacted a previous guest on this podcast, a missionary serving in Eastern Europe by the name of Josephine. It isn't her real name, but for security reasons in her part of the world, I'm calling her that. I initiated with her to give you some ideas of how you could do the same thing with people in your life. I found our conversation interesting and encouraging as I learned more of her story and how God has been leading her and caring for her. But we ran out of time last week, so I want to finish sharing our conversation with you today. Now, if you missed the start of our chat from last week, I'll have a link to it at the bottom of the show notes. In that episode, I interjected a few observations as we went along. Today, however, I share those observations at the end. So let's get into it today, beginning with a question I asked Josephine about the people she lives and works with in Eastern Europe. I know this is kind of a general question, but what are, what are the people like in Eastern Europe? What, you know, how are they different from people here in the U.S.? What, are, what do they value? What do they, how do they view relationships? You know, this podcast really is about relationships, and I'm kind of curious about how how the people in Eastern Europe, the people that, that you hang around with, how, how they view relationships, what, what is their worldview like? What, what, do they, what do they think about God? Yeah, I, I'll, with that, I'll share one story from my, my home assignment, then I'll give some generalities. And I, I can say with integrity, I am not placing, I'm not saying one of these is better than the other one. I'm just sharing what was going through my head as somebody was sharing their situation with it with me. And they were in the very difficult situation that their parents, um, one of them, uh, what is it called when you aren't able to remember, um, Alzheimer's. So one of, one of, one of their parents had Alzheimer's and was in really bad health and they were making the decision whether or not to put them in a, in a care home or having them stay um, with them at their house. And as they were processing this with me, they were talking about how they knew that they needed to have more freedom and be able to um, kind of this individualistic, like get back to, to their lives kind of thing. And I promise I'm not saying this in a negative way, but it was like, we need to get back to what our goals are, our life is. And because of that, we made the good decision for us to put our, you know, our parent in a home. And 
I found myself thinking nobody here would ever do that. <laughs> like they would never mm-hmm. say it. They would never say it in those terms. Like I needed to prioritize myself uh, mm. in order to, I needed to prioritize myself. So in order to do that, I did the good thing of having my, my, um, my parent be put in a home. And so I just found myself thinking about that. So mm. it's just one example. We, we really mm-hmm. do prioritize the individual, the individual, we say things like, Oh, you're 18. You need to go live somewhere else. You need to, you know, live your own life and find yourself. You know, um, you don't hear anything like that here. <laughs> like people live with their parents sometimes their entire life. They just build another, they build another floor like above them so that their son can live in the, in the floor above them. <laughs> that's, that's what, wow. that's what they do, <laughs> you know? And so, um, the family is incredibly important. Um, I know when I talk to people, any decision they make is not, is most likely not going to be an individual decision. It's going to be a group decision. Um, I know Mm. in in the Bible, when you look at conversions, you always hear about Cornelius and his household and Lydia and their household and, and so forth. And here, I just feel like there's, there's, you see that here. You don't, you don't often see one. A lot of times when you see somebody come to faith, it's actually someone in their whole household. So, um, so the whole idea of individual and community, it's a huge difference. They're also honor shame, which means if you talk about being guilty or innocent, it may not make much sense to them. But if you talk about honor, if you honor someone or you shame them, it's very, very clear. Um, so those are some of the big ones very hospitable. I'm reading a book on hospitality from a Western author right now and finding myself thinking, um, I'm going to learn a lot from her, but I know I'm going to learn more from the lady down my street who just practices this every day. So. Oh, that's so cool. That is really great. That's great. Um, I I know we've, uh, you and I have talked about this in the past a little bit, but uh, you're, you're single and you are leading a team. Can you, and that's a little unusual in the, at least my experience in the whole mission world of single women leading a team. How did, how did that come about? And, and what do you like about it? What is challenging? Well, and actually, since we talked, my role has changed a little bit. Um, I went from leading a team to leading the team leaders of teams. And so that, that is my, oh my. That is my current role now. <laughs> You are moving up, Joseph. <laughs> oh, well, in the, in the missions world, that means that I'm moving down, actually, you know, so <laughs> upside down kingdom. And so, yeah, so my role is to lead teams, lead team leaders who are leading teams. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, this is probably, this has probably been the most challenging it has been being a single, being a single in leadership because I don't have a team around me. And, um, I'm trying to figure that out. So when you're leading a team, you have people around you that you're still leading, but you still feel like you're part of a team. But when you're leading team leaders who are in different cities and different countries, actually, um, there's less of a sense of team. And so, um, as I've been in this role now, uh, I have learned that I, um, have to prioritize and try to figure out what team uh, looks like for me um, and not just accountability, but community and those types of things. So, yeah. Well, that does sound very challenging. 
Yeah. So you're not surrounded by people all the time anymore. Mm-mm. Mm. Yeah. And you do a fair amount of travel in, in the region. Is that it? I do. True? I do. And then the people I talk with um, largely are on zoom. And so it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of relationships through technology, which is, which is better than nothing, uh, but not the same as sitting in the same room with people. And so um, it has been, it has been a challenging transition that I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You live such an interesting life. Always been intrigued by what you do and, and how you live. And it's, it's just really encouraging to me to see how, how you view relationships and how you extend yourself uh, to people. So, well, we could go on for a few more hours, but I know you've got other things to do with your day. And um, anyway, any last thoughts, any, anything you'd care to share about anything? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in terms of, in terms of relationships, I, um, this is going to be repetitive, but I, I would just say, I, I say this because I really have been reflecting on this a lot um, the last couple of weeks and really months is, again, being a missionary. And I think for everybody, um, but maybe especially for those that are single, but I really think for everybody, really one of the hardest things is the continual like saying goodbye and saying hello. Like we talk a lot on the mission field about the need for grieving well, because when you grieve, mm-hmm. you create space. And so you have to if you don't grieve the loss of a relationship well, um, then you don't have space for someone else to come into it. And it can become really, really tiring to be doing that. But it's also, that's the negative part of it. The positive part of that is how rich it is. And so I, I literally, I, I, I can't tell you the number, I guess I can't say literally, but I have close friends around the world. I, I could go to pretty much any corner of the world right now and um, meet with people that know me well, and I know them pretty well. Um, but it just looks different. <laughs> it looks different than those that, um, like my family members who are literally living a mile away from the house that we grew up in, uh, with their husband and their kids, <laughs> and haven't moved anywhere else. So there's a there's challenges with it, but there's also um, there's also a richness to it too. Um, it's just understanding like what you say, which I really appreciate. Everybody is made for relationships. It's just trying to understand how it looks differently, um, for different people in different stages of life and all of that. Yeah. Well, what of I'm, I'm very interested in what you said about grieving and about grieving the loss of a, of a relationship and the importance of doing that in order to create space for new relationships. Do you have any suggestions or tips for how to how to do that well? How to grieve well the the loss of relationships when you know people move and that kind of thing. You say goodbye to your family and head back to Eastern Europe. You know, team members leave that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I would say people grieve in different ways. Um, for me, you know, I. I've been grieving the loss of having people to do work with. Like I, I, mm. I, I don't have many colleagues and per like that are standing next to me. So I've had to grieve that. And what I do with that is that I, I have to be very practical of saying, I really miss having someone that pushes back on me. I love having someone that argues mm-hmm. with me <laughs> decision-making. Mm. And so I'm grieving that, 
Um, I also miss having somebody who is a helper person who is just wants to just run out and help and do anything (laughs) for me and for the team. And so I'm, I'm naming those things very, very clearly and grieving the loss of it. But what's happening after I've grieved it is that I'm starting to look ahead and being like, okay, so what does this look like now? And as far as personal relationships, you know, I have uh, um, two of my close friends are leaving in January and um, they are my go to the mountains and hike and Mm -hmm. hang out with and go, you know, skiing and snowboarding and those types of things. And they're leaving. And so it's, it's just very clearly saying I'm going to miss having those people to do those things with and naming it very, very clearly and feeling it and letting myself feel it. Um, and then after I'm not, I'm not done grieving that yet, but I, I know that after I'm done grieving those two losses, it's going to create space for when, um, create space for new relationships. And what I've learned is if I don't do that, um, I have a hesitancy to really invest in new relationships when they come up. There's just, it's just, I just, Mm. it's just, there's not, like I say, space, if I don't do this well, then I, um, I don't have space for new people, even though other people have left. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that because, is that because fearing the, that there'll be more pain when you do have a relationship and those people leave or is it something else? I think it's something else because I think when you grieve it, you're, you're actually acknowledging, okay, I had this, you only, you only grieve things that you've lost. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I grieve the death of people that I've been close to much differently than, you know, people I read on the news. I, I respond very differently. So I think mm-hmm. as far as grieving the loss um, and why it makes it less, makes me less um, prone to invest in new relationships and less space. I'm actually not sure how to answer that question. I can't, but I can't articulate it yet. I just know that if I haven't, if I haven't closed the door yet, I haven't closed the book on previous relationships. I just, I feel like there's too many doors open, even if, even if, even if my friend is not standing in there anymore, I know there's, I just don't have space, emotional space to actually open up to somebody else. If I, if I have not closed the door on it, I don't know if that makes any sense. (laughs) You know, it really does. And it it reminds me of something a pastor told, uh, told us once Um, we had left, uh, we were starting a church plant. We were involved in the church plant and we were, I think two or three Sundays into the, into the church. And he got up there and a lot of people were, had come from other churches. And he said, you really need to be careful that, you're, you, you are leaving the old church in a proper way and, and to come to grips with whatever caused you to leave that, the other church, because if you don't, it's really going to hinder your work here. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if that relates to what you're talking about, but that's what it reminds me of, that there needs to be closure on the past before you can really embrace the present and the future. Absolutely. And there's tools out there. Like there's a book that comes to mind. Necessary endings is a really good one. Um, Yeah. That's a great book. It's a, it's, there's some tools out there to do this well. Um, But it it just really, I think we all need to do this well, whether it's switching to a different church or, you know, those of us here on the field that there's, you know, the only constant for missionaries is change. That's what we say a lot. So, Yeah. 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 So you have, you have more, transitions to go through than most people do, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And this, and I would say yes to that. And I would say 
even though we've had pretty, we've had a lot of consistency with with our, like the organization I'm in has been, mostly it's been the same people, but it's the people outside of that, other organizations, other relationships that come and go. And so those that even within the organization that have a lot of changes, it's even more for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, we were going to end this 10 minutes ago, but I can feel another couple hours going on. So I know you've got other things to do. And, and I just so appreciate your, your time, Josephine. Um, you've given me things to think about, and I'm sure you've done the same with listener, with our listeners too. So thanks again. And, um, and we'll, we'll have to talk soon. It's been too long. It's been a year and we'll have to do this little, anyway, well, God bless you and, and um, blessings on your day and, and the work that you do. Really, um, really proud of what you do and really just really affirm that you're doing something really important. And I just like the way that you do it, not just what you do, but the way you do it. So oh, I appreciate that uh, a lot. Thank you, John. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Josephine. And um, we'll, um, we'll be in touch later and hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you as well. Take care. Bye now. Bye. Wasn't that interesting? It sure was for me, especially near the end. There was a period of awkwardness for me when it seemed like I had run out of questions to ask Josephine. Thinking we were about finished, I asked her, are there any last thoughts or things you have to say? In other situations, people will often say something along the lines of, no, I I think we've covered everything. But this is when the conversation changed and Josephine took over and said something along the lines of, in terms of relationships, I've been doing a lot of reflecting lately. To my way of thinking, it became the richest part of our time together, where she talked about her feelings of saying goodbye to people, grieving relationships that end, and the challenge that all of this brings and even the opportunities it creates. Josephine had a lot to say about this topic. When our conversation took a turn to the more heartfelt, it reminded me of an important listening principle, that good listening is like dancing a waltz. One person leads, the other person follows. In the beginning, I was leading and Josephine followed and she followed well. But then she took over and started to lead by sharing her reflections about relationships that were independent of anything I had asked before. And I just followed her around the listening ballroom dance floor. Watching people waltz is a thing of beauty, and being part of a really good conversation is a thing of beauty, too. You lead for a while, your partner follows. Then they lead, and you follow. What a privilege it is to both lead and follow someone else's line of thinking and feeling. It doesn't get any better than this when it comes to conversations. My interaction with Josephine reminds me that a really good conversation leaves you wanting to know more. And the great thing is that wanting to know more about the other person is how relationships deepen and how it enriches our lives. 
For example, with Josephine, I'd like to know more about, first of all, her two friends who left in January. You know, I should mention we recorded this episode in mid-December, and she was anticipating their departure. But I'd like to know a little bit about these people. What were they like? And what will she be looking for in new friends to fill in the gap of this loss? I'd also like to know more about what Josephine is learning about hospitality from the lady down the street that she mentioned that she's not finding in books. Yeah, that would be interesting. Then there's a challenge she faces of working alone that she mentioned. I wonder what that's like for her and how does she deal with it. I'd also like to know more about how she's processing the grief and losses she experiences. I loved how in our discussion, she talked about being very specific in naming her losses and then feeling them. I'd like to hear a story or two of how she does that. I should have asked, can you give me an example of that, Josephine? And then I I sensed a bit of sadness in her voice as she talked about the grief of relationships that come to an end. And yet I wonder if I sense this accurately. I'd like to know more about this. I wonder, too, how, as a leader of missionary teams, does she help those she leads deal well with the losses they experience? And then, as our conversation came to a close, I just felt it was an honor for Josephine to have shared with me what was on her heart. She talked about some deeply personal and tender things that I felt needed a response from me. So without even thinking, I shared what was on my heart about what I heard from her. I told her I was proud of what she does and the way she does it. I mentioned that I saw what she does as being important work. I just felt the need to affirm her the best I could at the moment. We really need to do this for each other whenever we can. So what, what does all of this mean for you? How can you use what you've heard today to improve the relationships in your life? Well, first of all, initiate with others. Don't wait for them to come to you. Ask God who you should initiate with, and then bless the person by listening well to their story. Affirm them when you can. Be their cheerleader. It will bring out the best in them and the best in you. Another thing you can do is to read the Necessary Endings book that Josephine mentioned. It's by Dr. Henry Cloud. It's a really good book. A major theme that Cloud writes about is that to experience God's best for us, sometimes we have to end things before we can move on. And Josephine talked a little bit about this. The author gives a lot of examples from the Bible and his own counseling practice to illustrate this concept. Here's the main takeaway that I hope you remember from today's episode. When we initiate with others, 
Great conversations become like ballroom dancing. They lead, we follow, and both our lives are enriched. It really deepens our relationships with people. In closing, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to consider initiating with another person. And as we talked about last week in episode 143, you make the first contact and see what happens. See what God does. I'd love to know how it goes for you. Because when you initiate with people, there's a really good chance you will find the joy God intends for you in relationships. For surely you must know by now, you were made for this. Well, that's it for today. In the meantime, spread a little joy in your relationships this week until we meet again next time. Goodbye for now.